<laughs> What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? The intro always cracks me up. Always That's cracks cool. me up. I want to update that a little bit, but uh, I get fired up. I laugh. I love the music. John Speck and the boys bringing us oh, in. Okay. Yeah, bringing us in. So, uh, you know, uh, thank you. I always thank you guys because the reason I do this show is for you. It, it, you know, it's some for me. I get fired up. I get excited all the way. The drive all the way in today. We have rainy skies here, and it's doldrums and all that stuff. And all the way in, I was freaking fired up because I'm bringing you a guy who has been inspiring me for over two decades, and he just happens to be in the city of Detroit. This actually the whole month of November, he will be represented in the city of Detroit. Um, and I was stoked because he said, you know, yeah, uh, we'll make some time, G, and I'll come to the show. And he is running ragged, getting ready <laughs> for this art show that is just crazy. And we're going to talk all about it on today's episode of The Drop-In. But I want to thank you guys. Please share all this stuff. Let's make positivity go viral. Let's fire up the world because that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. One person at a time, man. One person at a time. And it radiates like a pebble in a pond. And if you don't believe that, just try it. Try it for a few days. Wake up and say, I'm going to be stoked today. I'm going to be fired up today. And I'm going to see how many people around me I can get fired up. And with this show, we get to reach all the way around this great big globe from you. You guys share this. You watch. You get fired up. You get stoked. I get all the messages through the social media. And I just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because you continue to uh, reignite that flame inside of me and let me know that we're doing the right things here in the NRM studios in Farmington Hills, Michigan on the drop-in. But let me tell you about my friend Chris Moore. Um, I met him probably, I don't know, I saw him skate about 25 years ago, and I brought this up to him maybe 30 years ago. I don't know. Probably closer to 30 years ago. And uh, I brought this up to him when we were sitting here waiting for the show to start, and he doesn't even remember. He doesn't. Danforth was there. Bill Danforth, a huge influence in my life. Ward Kramer, um, who isn't with us anymore, was there. And uh, Chris was there, and they had a, a vert ramp, big old vert ramp, no decks, no platforms. And he gets up there, and he pumps a couple times, and he does an invert. And I had never seen anybody do that in front of my face. I'd only see it on <laughs> videos and in magazines. And uh, if, if they had emojis then, my emoji would have been the head exploding because I was so fired up and I was just really falling in love with skateboarding at that time. Fast forward a few years later, or a few years later, our friend Bill Ferguson was getting married and I was in Opie's van. On the way there, I left my Necro sweatshirt in there, and the next day, he was heading to New York. Fast forward a few to, few more years later, and he's coming to town, playing a show with our friend Bill Toko, who you've seen on the drop-in. You heard all about what he's doing in his life. Well, him and Opie were playing a show down on the uh, border of Wayne State University, and it was just awesome. And again, I got to see Chris a few, uh, about a month ago, at the 40th anniversary of the modern uh, skate and surf. Uh, George, likewise, all that. You've seen the show. You saw Kevin Staub. You saw Tony Mag sit down with me. And I got to see Chris for a few minutes there. And when he said he'd take the time to come in and visit with me and with you, I was super stoked. So without too much more, I want to introduce all of you to my very good friend, Chris Moore. Thank you so much oh, man, for coming in you. today, man man. Thank you. Yeah. How's it, how's it been so far? Tell me about the trip here. Cause you come from New York. Yeah. Uh, well we, uh, I took a, I take a bus to save a couple of dollars and, uh, overnight. So yeah. it's, uh, interesting. Yeah. You know? 
uh, you know, your your art show, which we're going to talk about quite a bit uh, today, um, you got to be going crazy, getting everything set up, a little stressful. It's, it's stressful, but, you know, we had like a plan around it, and I knew the space, so... And I had a friend there that's a, an experienced artist um, helping, so it went up pretty fast. I mean, we have a few little things to tidy up, but I think it'll be all right. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> sh I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, let's start at the beginning, you know, and, and for all of you, I say Chris Moore and I say Opie. His nickname was Opie for a long time, and uh, mm -hmm. that's how I was introduced uh, to him at a very young age. So you'll hear me interchange that. But let's start where you grew up, man. How was growing up here in Michigan? Um, well, we grew up um, east of Detroit, um, middle class. Um, you know, fairly typical middle-class situation, public schools. Um, I didn't really, you know, gravitate towards school-type um, extracurricular activities. Um, kind of fell into, like, skateboarding um, around age 12 or 13, and that sort of led me into another kind of peer group, I would say, that was a, a big mix of kids from different areas around Metro Detroit. And so, because I know <clears throat> some of the people that your circle of friends, Ward Kramer, Bill Danforth, Toko, those guys who were skating around the same time, when did you meet those gentlemen? Um, those, Ward I met really early on. Um, probably, he was probably the first one that I met from that group. Um, and Bud. Um, so, you know, probably within the first year or two of hanging out at this local skate park, Endless Summer, in Roseville. And, uh, you know, we learned from Toko, and I didn't know this, that Endless Summer was one of four skate parks in the country at that time. Right. And uh, actually, I started at Skateboard, I don't know what it was called. I think it was called Skateboard USA. I think so. So I went there first, and um, they somebody there said, Endless Summer's opening up, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and that was closer to our place, so my mom could drive me there, you know? So <laughs> we're going to go there. Yeah, yeah. The, the I only... remember, like, slamming, because I was kind of used to— Skateboard USA had, like, a, a lot of banks, um, wide-open banks, not as tight— and uh, my first run or second run at Endless Summer, they had a snake run that was really rough and tight. And I'm like, wow, this thing, you know, looks, you know, like I could handle this. I remember just kind of going up and, you know, misjudging the pump or the transition, slamming <laughs> my face into like the second wall, <laughs> you know. And I remember like... <laughs> Covering up my face because my mom would always go to the to the uh, you know would w watch me mm -hmm. or just watch that I'm not doing anything you know not getting into too much trouble. And I remember like covering my face because I knew I was like bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, that was just a funny. That was my intro to Endless Summer. <laughs> like, well, and at that time, like skateboarding, it was it was pretty new and new and yeah. fresh and and the, you know the basketball. You know, pads, you mm -hmm. know, no, just like stuff just flipping, you know, sliding down and so whatever. And yeah. that, that terrain, um, the material on that snake run was very rough, too. They didn't have the right cement. 
mix going on there. Yeah, it's but, cra- uh, it's crazy right now the way uh, technology and 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 uh, the it's so such the accessibility to it is yeah, everywhere. Right. And the quality is uh, safety is a priority, which it, yeah, there not so much. No, no. <laughs> and then the older skaters there, like the locals. Um, I'm can Ferguson would probably remember the names, but Tom McShane. Um, those guys. There was a pool there. There was like a keyhole, um, and those guys were carving and stuff on tile and grinding, like frontside grinds and like air. You know, frontside air is like just that coping. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't believe that stuff. Yeah. And so then, you know, after you know getting used to it, that's where our next destination was riding that pool and then later they got that beautiful kidney pool which was more you know it was just an easier transition it was a bigger higher walls and stuff but the transition was easier to sort of flow with I've been anyway, I didn't want to get off on. No, okay. it's all, <laughs> yeah. all good, all good. But because I've invited Ferguson a few times on the show, uh-huh. and you know what he told me, and and Bill Ferguson, he was. Uh, I mean, I saw him in magazines, and he's the owner of Kzoo Skate Zoo, which I believe may be the oldest uh, indoor private skateboard park in the country, if not the country. This side of the Mississippi, for sure. It's on the other side of the state. I used to drive there every single Saturday, and uh, huge, huge. In Michigan and Midwest skateboarding, and I've invited him on the show several times, and he said, "When I start telling stories, I get too emotional, so I can't come on the show." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bill's tricky to get, uh, you know. Yeah, he's very, he gets into it. So, but you'll get him on, I'm sure. At some yeah. point. At some point. I'll, I'll tell him to. It'll, yeah. it'll be cool. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, uh, you know, we're going to come back to skateboarding okay. a little bit. But when did you start uh, getting into music? When did you start playing the drums? Well, I started that around a little bit before skating. Um, again, the same, well, sort of the same deal where uh, hanging out with a little bit older kids and they were jamming in the garage, you know in the basement and um, I was always a music fan so I would go to sleep listening to music and all that stuff Um, so the teenagers down the street who I knew would let me watch them jam so I was just like oh I I want to play drums that's the instrument that is I'm drawn to Um, there was a guy there Dave Beatty and all those guys were really sweet to us. He'd be like, oh, Chris, try it. Da, da, da. So, um, you know, I, I got hooked on it. Um, in school, I was in the band. You know, I didn't really like that that much, but it was. I felt like I was, oh, okay, I'm learning some sort of coordination. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was more into, like, rock and roll and all that other stuff. So um, my family got me a cheap drum set, and then... Um, they let me set up the drum set in the living room, and I was able to play my kit in the drums or my drum kit in the center of the living room between these two large stereo speakers. So I would play, you know, I'd put like I don't know the Clash on, you know, side one, and I would just be like, I want to. I was just trying to play what they they were doing or approximate what was going on. And that's kind of how I learned, just by listening in the beginning, just listening really closely to what was going on and 
getting the feel right and, you know, not getting all the fills, just getting able to play the groove and stuff. And, and then more experience with jamming with the older teenagers on a couple songs and pulling back. Um, and then the whole punk rock thing happened where we started, this, a couple of the skaters were forming bands. We could barely play. We were writing songs that were really, you know, juvenile and sort of raw and crude. And um, that's how we were kind of, you know, going off and shaping music, you know, music. Well, getting geared up for this show, like I've been fired up about this show since you said you'd come on. I've been watching all these punk documentaries and I watched one last night about Chicago, all about Chicago, about this same time mm-hmm. and how how Naked Reagan evolved from what they started as and, and some of the other bands and, and they were looking for their sound looking for a Chicago type sound and not trying to emulate exactly what everybody else is doing. And in Detroit, I mean, you ended up getting involved at the forefront of a a very influential band. How did that come into play? That came into play because we were, I was in another band called Youth Patrol that was sort of in the scene at the same time as Negative Approach. Both bands kind of brand new. There was a show at Endless Summer Skate Park that the owners agreed to put on uh, with these punk rock bands in the freestyle area at night. (laughs) And it was just, you know, so raw and stuff. Anyway, so uh, John Brannon and Rob from Negative Approach, they were looking to change up the, the lineup, and then they saw Graham and I playing Youth Patrol, and they asked us to join. And you were how old at this time? I think I was 13. Or I was probably 14, maybe, or something like that. And um, so we jumped at that because I thought they, we thought they were a little more developed, had more of a distinct style. Whereas uh, the other band, you know, we were trying, but it just, I don't know, it's just the chemistry and the vibe wasn't as strong. Um, John had brought us very serious sort of. Um, you know, he just had some vision about it. Well, his intensity, even to this day, yeah, I don't know. Like, if you could bottle that, and it seems uh, obviously, I, I wasn't old enough to go to shows at that time when they in the first run, <clears throat> but it seems like that intensity hasn't wavered at all. It's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, it, something about that release for him. I mean, he's actually, you know, if you've ever talked to him, he's. A total sweetheart. Nothing but polite every time I've yeah, ever talked to him. And he's he's like that to fans everywhere they play, you know. And it's just uh, he's very cool. I mean, he went through a period where he had some problems uh, with addictions and stuff, but um, where it was difficult to communicate. But never like you know, super dark or you know where I felt like I couldn't even reach out to him or whatever. You know, and then ha- happily he came, you know, went, got past that. And, um, you know, um, you know, negative approach didn't have a long life. I mean, had, we had we were together a couple of years and, and you know, hit at a good time, mm-hmm. made some nice records that were influential that, you know, still are. Um, well, and that's what's crazy for you guys watching. After you get done with this, 
pull up some negative approach stuff and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. The intensity and the energy is incredible. If you look at it in 83 or you look at it today, it's incredible. And uh, so make sure to check that out after the show. Um, so you guys, uh, you know, a couple years, you know, a couple records tied down. A little Amazing. touring. Yep, yeah, some touring. Yeah. And the freezer was a pretty crazy the place. The freezer was crazy. Minor Threat played Misfits. You know, we played with sort of the hottest bands of that time: Black Flag, The Dead Kennedys, DOA. Um, you know, saw a lot of things happening with popular the bands that were more popular and getting used to sort of what, well, the fringe end of what the music industry was like and how things operate, I guess. Yeah, it's, it, it was a crazy time, and, and the music <clears throat> was... Uh, the Necros, what, obviously. Yeah, yeah, they were... Uh, all those bands that mm. you just you just listed, the who's who of what bands today list as their influences mm -hmm. in the punk rock world. And you got to play with those guys. And, yeah. And at the time, it probably just seemed like a normal thing to do. You know, it was like, you know... I mean, those shows were a little bit bigger... A couple of hundred people, but you know, typically a negative approach show in the beginning was like, I don't know, thirty or forty people, something like that. Right on, right. You know? and, and 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 again, just breaking ground, doing new things, doing things nobody else was doing, and I think that is is the raddest part of it. And the music today still, uh, it, it holds water. It holds a lot of water. Yeah, I mean. I still think the Bad Brains are like one of the, you know, most incredible musicians around. You know, and in my prep work yeah. for the show, watching documentaries, yeah. I heard Dave Grohl say the same thing in a documentary. Yeah. I heard so many other people say, "Dude, the Bad Brains—that's all it is." I mean, it's just—it's phenomenal the feel and how they make. You know, a lot of people say I don't want to get too technical, but a lot of people say hardcore, and you, as a musician. Well, it's just a fast polka, you know. <laughs> da, 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 da. It's actually, if you listen to some of the better stuff, it doesn't do that. It actually kind of swings a little. Um, so it's not as, it's not as uh, rigid um, as someone in my claim. This is my point, I guess. <laughs> Especially with those drummers, you know, like um, Jeff Nelson from. A minor threat and mm -hmm. Todd from Necros and Earl from the Bad Brains and I, and um, I don't remember the Dead Kennedys um, drummer's name but I loved his style as well but I could go nuts about drumming talk so well, let's <laughs> you got to keep it going let's move in let's move into uh, uh, go back to skateboarding because okay. both of these worlds were running parallel to each mm -hmm. other the music and for me it, it was very similar as I got into skateboarding my musical taste completely changed mm -hmm. it's a, it, it is a lifestyle I don't want to overuse that term but when you get into the punk skate world it changed it changed my life you know it, it, yeah. it, it made me, me who too. I am today mm -hmm. and uh, in the mid 80s uh, rumor has it, and I, I'm going to let you talk about it. Uh, you were sponsored by Powell, is that true? Right. Yeah. And somebody, I think, it, I, I think it was Toko, said you were the only guy in the Midwest sponsored by Powell. Um, I think, uh, well, Bobby Reeves was maybe from. I can't remember where Bobby was from. I thought he was from Wisconsin. 
Well, that invert, I opened up the the story about the invert. I remember how, how cool. And I went home that day and sanded all the graphics off my board and put one sticker, because that's what you were writing. Oh, yeah. That, you had a blank board with one sticker. I can yeah. see it like it was yesterday, sure. right now. And um, and then uh, Toko was the one that brought up. He's like, you know, Opie was the only guy in the Midwest sponsored by Powell in like 85. I yeah. said, no way. Well, and I think I got sponsored in 82. Really? Well, I was actually writing letters to Powell. I was writing letters to Stacy and sending him photographs. And um, he would always write me back and said, keep going. I like what you're doing, da-da-da-da. And then there was a tipping point where I, my contest status was getting higher. And then somebody from Powell was at a contest. And then he said something to Stacy. Man, Chris's style, da 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 da, and then Stacy was like, "Hey, man, I think we we can do something." And then at that time, I had learned frontside rock and rolls, and and I think I was the only one at that park that could do that, and uh, at that time, and um, and so I sent Stacy a letter. I got frontside rock and rolls. He's and basically he's like, "You're in." <laughs> And you still, know. to this day, Frontside Rock's one of the most stylish tricks you can do. Yeah. and um, But it was so funny. When I was practicing trying to do those, I knew, and you you know this feeling, I'll bet. You know that feeling when you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to make this. I'm going to pull this off. You, you, you're not making it, but you're like, it's right there. Yep. And so it's just more, it's totally mental. And you just got to really relax. And then it just, it just does it itself. And that's sort of like what I remember about learning like new tricks, you know. But anyway, that was yeah. I was literally writing Stacy like, "Hey, what's the deal with sponsorship? Is it just California, <laughs> you know, or whatever, you know, some kind of <laughs> dumb note?" Because I think at that time Ferg got sponsored by Veriflex, and then Losi, and then Schmidt, I believe. Yeah, was. he had a couple different sponsorships. So I'm like, well, Ferg's got sponsored. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try, you know? And, and all the locals were like, yeah, you should do it, you know? And then through this time, you still playing music? You still. still it was still, it was right in tandem. Like, so NA was really busy. And actually, Caballero and I were writing to each other, and he was a fan of Negative Approach. So that might have helped too mm-hmm. for some punk rock cred. I don't know. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> but but, but, but at, at that time, you know, we were writing, le- like I was writing Pusshead letters, uh, Glenn Friedman, um, you know, uh, uh, Caballero, you know, it was, it was cool, you know, it was well, weird. And all these people you're naming are the people that laid the groundwork for where, I mean, the majority of culture is today. I mean, Glenn Friedman took most of the most iconic pictures I can think Bands of. Pusshead did yeah, all that artwork art, for Metallica yeah, and everything. Yeah. And these are people you're writing letters to. Right. Man. No, I mean, I'm not. those guys now would probably be like, I'm not sure I can place this guy. You know, because life and, you know, they, they are obviously... You know, into an, another level of, of fame or, or whatever. But you never yeah. know. People surprise me all yeah. the time because I'll say, you know, I think I met you 25 years ago uh-huh. and I, I gave you a sticker or you gave me a sticker and I was so hyped. And people be like, isn't your name like Gerald or Gerald? Or I remember you. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. people surprise yeah. me all the time. And then um, a couple of years ago, 
you know, I wrote for Tracker too, and they put out a book just recently of 40 years of Tracker or mm-hmm. something. And the team man, you know, Brian Ridgway, it's like, Chris, you know, emails me, you got any photos of you skating with Trackers? Because we're going to put out this book. So I sent him a photo of me doing like a fakey ollie that Davo uh, snapped with a big Tracker sticker on it, of course. So. <laughs> Anyway, that was kind of a, a cute thing. No, it's awesome. Yeah. And then that's another thing. We have Davo here. He's from Michigan, and he was in all over every magazine with yeah. photo creds. So, I mean, he yeah. was one of the and best uh, photographers in early skateboarding when publications started coming and he, out. And he was responsible for ne- negative approaches, uh, images, photo stuff. He he was at our practices. He would sometimes go on the road with us. I think a lot of the album artwork is his contains his stuff. And he's still crushing it and pushing yeah. the technology envelope right. of photography with automotive and all sorts of really cool stuff yeah. Davo is. And that's just rad. I mean, so, uh, you know, we're sitting here with Chris Moore, and you've heard about Powell Skateboards in the mid writing letters to Stacy Peralta. Uh, many of our, our listeners, I know you guys probably have never written a letter in your life because of email and text message and all this kind of stuff. And in the 80s, I remember sending out letters and, and photos, and, and then when we got a video camera. I, yeah, I don't then think that's I ever, the next level. Yeah, I don't think I sent out any videos, but uh, it, it, it was a... a uh, that's the only way you could get a hold of anybody at mm-hmm. that time. And, and so moving through into the 80s um, and now into the 90s, I don't remember when Ferg uh, got married, but when did you, uh, when did Negative Approach end? And ne- then when did you decide that uh, you were going to make a, a trek to New York? Well, ne- there, there was a big gap between that. But so Negative Approach ended like around 83 or 84. And then I hung around. I formed a band that was oh, I... le- less popular, but had a different sound. And we had about a 10-year run um, making, you know, we had fun and played shows and pretty big shows. And then, you know, I just kind of got burned on the scene well, and just you being were... around. And you know, when I'm you like, were doing what? Crossed Wire, yeah. uh, you know, it was a weird time in music. It was definitely a weird time because you guys had your own sound, I thought. and It was like alt country, I guess, what it turned out to be labeled. But I, I, I always thought we were kind of like a R.E.M.-ish yeah. kind of vibe. I don't know. but I, I... Mixed with like a little stiff little fingers or something like a more melodic. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff, but, but I think if you guys would have came out in '92, like when Jawbreaker and all that was going on, it would have been a little a bit different. different. Yeah, I mean, our first show was opening up for the Butthole Surfers, <laughs> and we were hated. I mean, Corey from Touch and Go booked it just because he knew I was in NA, and he's like, "Oh, so it's going to be probably something kind of aggro," and and it was kind of not. And Butthole Surfers. You know, we they were both we were both kind of going away from hardcore. Like Butthole Surfers was more of like a performance mm-hmm. art, but very uh, aggressive and very sort of like um, uh, what's the word? Um, I don't know. Just sort of like uh, they wanted to engage the audience it, for yeah, sure. It just 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 crazy. Just in uh, our vibe was like we're just gonna like play and. Just not do anything and just try to let the music do the talk. You know, almost run the exact opposite. And everybody in the audience was, I mean, I think people were like, you know, they knew us. So there was probably like, 
yeah, you know, just that kind of thing. But I, I could, they hated it. And uh, I know Corey didn't like it. Well, as I grew up, me personally, as I grew up and matured in my musical taste, that's when I fell in love with Crosswire. Like, yeah, I remember they, they, you were into Cross. in, in the beginning, you know, of course, you're like, well, we want to hear some hardcore yeah. punk rock. It, it's the dude from N.A. And then as I move forward, even now, what you're doing now, I love the albums you put out now. Oh, thank you. I, I, I love it. I love it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Nick Cave and some of the musical uh, arrangements and yes. things you do. Textures. Remind me of that. Cool. Texture yeah, yeah. is a great term for that. Yeah. There's some of that in there. Yeah. And I love it. I cool. love Thanks. it, man. Um, so, I, you know, Crosswire happens. It doesn't hit like you want. And then you decide you're going to make a move. Well, um, you know, we we did a lot, and then I was just, like I said, kind of just burned on on being in the same scene, and um, I had been going to New York a, kind of every couple of, like twice a year for, an, for to play and to do something, and when NA first toured, we toured through New York, and I think I told you earlier that I just, when I was there, I just was sort of electrified and inspired. And I thought, I had this little dream, like, oh, I want to I want to move here. You know, so then I found a time where I thought it made sense. And I had a friend that had a place and a rehearsal space. So I had money saved. And um, I got a job, like, the next day, you know, because I had a trade that was still, you know, happening in the uh, middle 90s so I could work and pay my rent so I just stayed there and I had an, I had friends there and I had I was already kind of getting I was kind of like doing open mics but because I, I had experience I was kind of embraced so I was able to get shows so and then I was getting like a lot of attention from the record industry um, so there was a lot of enthusiasm for me to sort of remain there. And that's sort of, you know, I had a little career uh, there. And then in the last, like, f four or five years, yeah, I still put out music, but I'm sort of falling to the sidelines and helping, like, younger artists and teaching. And, you know, it becomes less, uh, like, uh, like, the hustle for me isn't as interesting for my own work. You know, well, I, I like creating and you know jamming and all that, but more like to be like how John does NA and keeps going out there. You know that. I mean, I think you have to have a certain mindset for that, and that that to me, I, I don't know. I I did it so long, and I just don't see the. I do it on occasion, and it's fun. In big gigs, sometimes with NA and whatnot, but um, I don't know. I just not. I just sort of, it's not really for me anymore. I don't, maybe that'll turn around again. I don't know. But Well, you're doing some very interesting things from a musical perspective. Uh, you know, the, the music you put out now is quite different mm -hmm. than, than what was going on 15 years ago. Not to mention some of the percussion stuff you did. You were involved with a documentary, or they made a documentary of something you did under the Brooklyn Bridge. Can yeah. you, what was that? Well, that was really cool. That was with uh, a Japanese group called uh, the Boredoms that have been around, and they kind of come from hardcore, but they went like a, into an artier territory, and it crosses into sort of like noise rock or like uh, meditative kind of things. They have really a lot of different stuff, and um, 
they had a project in New York where they invited 77 drummers um, from sort of the northeastern scenes, New York, Boston, uh, Northampton, Philly, D.C. Um, so I got invited probably because I was in negative approach. And um, um, so they had this piece of music that was uh, 77 minutes long. They had a whole concept around it. And the drummers were set up in a spiral in this park. Sacred geometry? Yeah, there, there's some <laughs> spiritual you know, meaning around this whole thing. And they were centered. They were the center, and we spiraled out from them. And they had fed us the information of, of the piece, right? It wasn't difficult, technically, but, um, but to coordinate that, was very ambitious. There was one rehearsal the day of, um, and the, the concept is so cool. And I, I don't, I don't, again, I feel like I'm wasting time or whatever. But um, basically, they would there would be different sort of patterns and textures, and the pattern and texture would launch off from them in the center, and then they would spiral out. So while 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 a new pattern was being introduced, the tail end of the previous pattern was, yeah, yeah, it was cool. And then there were sections that were completely imp improvised. So he would give us a cue, the leader, I, would give a cue with a baton, like or a huge, he had something larger, and that cue was to be, play whatever you want. And that was powerful. And, um, I'm gonna have to find the documentary because now I'm totally. You can see intrigued. that online. It it was. I mean, the stuff they have online is like kind of like. I mean, it's effective, but if you were there, it was like it was moving. I mean, it was like I was like, I, you know, maybe like on the verge of tears at times. At times, I was like, Whoa! you know, just like it, it just had this. It was so inspiring and. Um, and then they did another one the next year in L.A., and I went to that, too. That was, you know, it wasn't as good, I guess, but it was just, you know, it was, it was a different thing. But um, that was a really, really, that was like, that may be my top ten lifetime musical experiences, I think. Speaking of ten, uh, you put out ten LPs or yeah, EPs? like t yeah, somewhere around there. I know everybody always says N A N A, but you've done so much more. And I brought up your your current uh, musical uh, I don't even uh, offerings, mm -hmm. and I love them. I love everything about it. It's 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 uh, not something I'm going to go rage a vert ramp to, but yeah. it's something I would listen to on a regular basis. Cool. And and you're doing a heck of a job, and I love Thank it. Thank you. Um, we're sitting here with Chris Moore, and and we are going to get into the the main reason why you're here at the NRM studios today, and that's your incredible art show that's going on, lyrics and more. Uh, it reminded me when I first looked at it. Like what you're doing reminded me of uh, the Burroughs kind of cut-ups kind of thing, and that's not what it is. And uh, but it's it, to me, it's it's about uh, exactly what I read, and that's what I felt communication. 
and the and, and on the different levels of communication. And um, how did you come up with the concept? What what's going on? It was that? just like an obsessive. Um, you know the the most of the, t the it's mostly text so the text are the song lyrics um and it's basically kind of creating a rhythm with the text like visually leaving space and playing with space and then um layering more of that on top and playing with color um so they're very obsessive pieces um and, you know, I don't really have a concept around them except that, you know, I hope they uh, have energy and um, sort of balance in a way. <laughs> um, they kind of remind me of, of there's something that's secure to me about work. There's something secure to me about you know, pressing on, pushing on. Um, and, you know, I wasn't trained as an artist um, other than, you know, DIY stuff. But uh, so my process is very slow. Um, but, you know, I, I do a lot of it. So, um, you know, I'm starting to get a, a little bit better about control and about where, you know, sort of the colors work. What's the main medium? Acrylic, spray paint. Um, and I like wood, actually. So I like something that's like, um, you know, that juts out from the wall. Um, and like sort of like a varnish, but mostly acrylic, spray paint. Um. I like acrylic because my paintings, I paint very uh, thick line, very yeah. like screen printy, illustrator kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I like painting in acrylic because when it gets dirty, I can wipe it off with a washer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, and you can play with, what I like about acrylic too is like, well, at least I'm sure you can get that way with all paints control. But I, it, for me, it's like a fast way to turn something around. Like, um, you know, I like that when it's like half dry you know you could shape it differently by adding water you know you can play around with it a lot and so for me that's been good too and my stuff it usually it's usually like three or four tries and then it's sort of working and then it's like that you know so it takes forever to get a piece done that's why my stuff isn't that large it's typically like i mean i have a couple of big things but but it's fun, you know. I, it's not like music is a different vibe, I think. I mean, music is fun, but the art stuff to me is more of a relaxed thing. Where well, I'm and just... you, you brought up teaching, and, and to me, uh, passing knowledge on to younger generations is, is huge. It's like paramount. I mm -hmm. love it. I love teaching kids how to ride skateboards. If they want to learn how to play the drums, I'll sit down with them and teach them how to play the drums. If they right. want to learn how to draw, I'll show them how I learned how to draw. Yeah. I love that part of it. And y you're teaching kids music. And how is that? How, uh, what are the age groups? Young kids, older kids? Um, it's typically like a... Like seven to 18 ish and then typically the older kids are probably more into like composition so you know they're more experienced so with them it's more like they'll have a song idea and then i'll sort of suggest you know structural things or um 
you know, it's more like jamming with a peer or, you know, like somebody, you know, that is on their way. Um, so, or telling them, hey, you know, you did that song. That sounds like that one in that same tempo. Maybe change the feel a little bit. You know, it's suggesting stuff. So from a songwriting perspective more than a craft it's perspective. It's more of a songwriting perspective there. Um, not too much about technique, really. Um, unless there's some chord, you know, uh, you know, thing. Um, it's that's kind of my approach in general is to get the kids engaged to sort of be expressive first and worry about uh, technique and that stuff much later um, with the younger kids. Just get them to make noise, create a sound sounds that are satisfying, and then building on that. Uh, we also do like performance stuff with the kids and some of the adults, you know, there's this loose, we do these really loose recitals. Um, yeah, I, I love that, you know, that's, that's a blast. Well, I was talking with a friend of mine today and I was trying to explain <clears throat> who I was going to, who I was going to be having studio and, and, and thank you once again for taking the oh, time. Sure. You're very busy. Um, and I'm like, you know, most of my friends are very creative. I said, people in the skateboard world or in the extreme sports world or the punk rock world, they're not just one-trick ponies. Yeah, I, it's true. And and I was telling them about you, and I'm like, you know, from, from being a musician to be a hell of a skateboarder to teaching kids in New York and doing like these, because I called the, the documentary thing like a performance piece. I'm like, doing a performance piece with these mm -hmm. guys, and now he's having a freaking art show. I'm like, that is uh, it's not the norm, but I'm not blown out of the water that yet yeah, you're doing all those things. Right. It's a, exactly. So uh, it's funny because a lot of people say that, like, gosh, you do a lot. I'm like, you know what? I know like 20 people that are doing kind of the same thing. It's just that's what we did. Right. You know, we <laughs> nobody said no. So, so it was like, OK, when we weren't trying to, you know, conquer anything either i that's the other difference it was no there was no real goals going on or like you know what i'm saying yeah that's a great point like um so like i see like sometimes you'll see it in the kids today like if i get my song on youtube da -da -da -da, i'm like man if you it's like it's even harder now to get stuff going just stay in it for the love of the art you know and then you never know well, with my, my skateboard career personally, people ask me all the time. They say, how did you turn pro? And I said, I didn't quit, and I love it. Yeah. And it was I was never the best, right. but I had a good time, and people could feel that vibration, that I was having fun, and I love what I do. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're saying. If you, you do it because you love it, that that's uh, people see that from miles and miles away. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is because you love it, because you love to be creative, because you love to make music, and who knows what's next. You right, know? right. Maybe start weaving sweaters. I don't know. I just yeah. bought a hat from a friend of mine, and I couldn't believe it. He said, oh, yeah, I'm selling these online. Punk rocker dude, yeah. cool dude. And he's knitting these hat beanies. I said, how much? I want one right now. Right. But I wasn't blown away that he was doing it right. because yeah. there is no limits. When you grow up in the DIY kind of community, um, there's nothing that's outside of the realm to try. Right, right. Give it a shot. Yeah. And so it's awesome, awesome to be sitting here with you because I, I think, uh, you know, you were a very big influence on my life at a young age. 
and well, and then to come across at different points in time and what 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 I remember yeah is, is so rad and then to call you a friend today mm-hmm. is is even the the icing on the cake and a bonus and I know we're gonna be uh, friends for a long long time we're I want to check out your artwork actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I'll show you a doodle I did yeah. last night um, I have a lot of fun illustrating and I don't people ask uh, me to do different things they're like what do you charge I said well it's not it's it's like therapy you know I yeah. usually trade it with people I don't know how to charge for my artwork and yeah. any paintings that's a true weird thing yeah any weird paintings scene. I've ever done I always tell my friends I sign the back in a marker and they're like why'd you do that I said well if you want to tell somebody you did it have at it you know mm-hmm. I don't really care it's for you and mm-hmm. I'll give it to you as a gift and um, and today I'll sit down and draw last night I sat down and whatever came out of the pen came out of the pen I had no calculations going <laughs> in um, but I'm a illustrator to the T, and I've done graphics for Sheckler, Danforth, my mm-hmm. own graphics, and that's what I went to Wayne State actually to study is uh, graphic illustration okay. and design. Um, and so I still, I've seen the work; I just yeah. haven't put it together. But I still love to do it. Yeah. You know, I still love playing my drums. You talked about doing things for the love of the game, and. Uh, I walk down my stairs two, three days a week and just sit down on my favorite playlist and rock out yeah. for no other reason, just because I love to play. Yeah. And and that's what we're talking about here. And that's what this, this show is about. It's about living with passion. When you find your passion, I don't care what it is. If you love freaking shoelaces, be a shoelace maker. You'll be stoked on life. I guarantee you, you'll be stoked on life than if you're... Uh, roped into a 40-hour-a-week job that you hate because you feel like you have to do that. And when you find your passion, which is, I think, the most difficult part. That's why I encourage everybody watching to try everything, everything you possibly can. Try soccer. Try knitting. Try skateboarding. Try ice hockey. Try whatever. Whatever you think you might like. And you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. And life is super fun. I, I have fun every day of my life right now. And That's it's great. I do what I did when I was 14. Yeah. And I can only do yeah. it a little bit better. Yeah, I feel like I get away with a lot. Like I feel like that same thing. Like God, how's how am I getting away with this stuff still? You know, like, but I don't know. You know, we are Just, though. Yeah. And and it was so rad to see you walk into modern because I hadn't seen you ride your skateboard in quite a long time. Yeah, and you walked well, into modern with a helmet in your hand and yeah, a skateboard, well, and I was stoked. Yeah, I was so. Um, I had been started like skating again, like maybe like five or six years ago, and you know how it is when you don't have anybody to go skate with. But you always go to the park, and there's always cool people to skate with. But just getting there. You know, so I had lost, uh, not you know, a friend of mine moved who I was always skating with. And so I kind of fell away from the skating for a while. Then in the last couple of months, started it up again. So I was, you know how that is. And that's, man, it's so mental. And I started skating, and I was like, you know, real stiff, and so, but I want to, you know, now I'm, I've got that bug back, you know, so now I'm skating like every other week. Oh, cool. You know, and, you know, it's not about maneuvers, it's about sort of balance and uh, timing and stuff, and, um, but it feels really fun. I had a gentleman on the show a few weeks ago named Scott Ray, and he's making, like, sidewalk surfers, and he's making them in his garage at eight and a half in Dequinder right wow. now. And people are paying attention from the West Coast, and it's just rad. Roller skate trucks, uh-huh. real soft wheels with great bearings, and they're just straight-up cruisers. Wow. And I cannot wait to try one out. You know, he's, he's putting one together for me, and it's, you know, I love, I, I still love getting gnarly every once in a while, but yeah, I, I, love, I love just cruising. Yeah, you know, yes. if I, 
Your style, man. It's like, wow. I don't have a style. No, <laughs> you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, I, I, but it's I have, cool that you're still, you know, riding hard. Well, I have you guys to thank for that because you and and the guys that were coming up in Michigan were what laid the groundwork for the next generation mm-hmm. or the the next group. Because I was only five years later, four years later. Right, right. And, but it, a lot changed in those four yeah. years musically, skateboard, yeah, everything. Yeah, skateboarding really changed. It happened quick. Mm-hmm. It happened really, really quick. And uh, I still look at that time. I still talk to Danforth. I still talk to Fidel. I still talk to Yeah, Togo. Greg's still riding and Bill's still riding. Yep. And they are, uh, They. I still <clears throat> feel like a little kid. You yeah, know? that's so- I, I, I do, <laughs> but let's talk more about this art show because you got a big thing. Uh, actually, unfortunately, this show is going to air next week on uh, Thursday of next week. Uh, so we're going to be a week later. But um, let's talk about what's going on on November first at the studio and, and, and at the Loving Touch. All right. So um, this the gallery will have an opening from six to nine. Um, and the the show will be up for the whole month at Lawrence Street Gallery, which is at uh, two two six two zero Woodward, um, near Nine Mile. And then uh, to coincide with the opening, um, I'm going to do. That's funny because man, I should have asked you to do this too. Um, we're gonna. I put together a little drum piece, um, kind of written for multiple drummers. Not unlike the thing I did with the boredoms. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little bit more technical than that, and it doesn't have the spiral concept. But it's it's that kind of vibe, you know, like a drum circle with different textures and different patterns that has a kind of compositional arc to it. And so, again, the same thing. We can't rehearse, so I'm feeding these people basically the map like the written out what I want to do, and everybody's coming back with feedback. I record I recorded it by myself, but I just recorded like two parts to it. I sent that as information. Those guys sent me back. I let this works. Did it, you know? So we're kind of tweaking it, um, you know, not playing it. But um, so tomorrow, but we have it all kind of together. And I think I have a feeling it's going to be okay. <laughs> I don't know. So I was getting these nervous calls from a couple of the other people, like the last couple of days. Like, I'm not sure about section. I can't pull off. I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, because what's written into it is is room for um, interpretation. This, we'll say, yeah, approximation, slop, if you will. <laughs> um, and then there's sections that are really, you know, kind of composed and. You know, but they're 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 a little bit more simple. Um, so I think it'll work, and it's only ten minutes. Anyway, so we're gonna do that, and the loving touch is next door to the gallery. So it's like an added. I thought it would. I would. They wanted me to do something musical. And, yeah. And yeah. And I'm like, I'm really sick of singing and playing guitar. Can we do it? Can we do a drum thing? And they're like, Well, we can't do that in the gallery. It's too small. But Chris Johnston, who you know owns the Loving Touch, which is a rad venue, who's always been supportive of my work and my music, I proposed it to you know, and we've played there. Crossed Wires played there. Um, I've played solo things there. I proposed it to him. I told him what was at what was at hand. He's like, sure. 
you know, so I was like, cool. And, you know, we'll be out of his way. He could still have this night to book other things. Like, that's booked probably, but I'm just grateful for him to, you know, be supportive for so many years. Right on. And, and this is running all month long at the Lawrence Street Gallery, which is at 22620 Woodward Avenue in Ferndale. And uh, the hours, uh, what's it say, Wednesday to Saturday, 12 to 5, Friday, 12 to 9, Sunday, 1 to 5. The only day it's not open is Thanksgiving Day, uh, for the obvious reasons. But, um, you know, the the artwork is crazy. Your musical career is crazy. Skateboarding is crazy. Uh, do you have anything? Uh, what's next? Do you have anything on the bucket list that you're working, that you have in mind? Or is it just go with the flow? Uh, it's kind of go with the flow. Um, <clears throat> there's another recording situation coming up. <clears throat> there's another student thing coming up. So it is kind of go with the flow. Um, like every time... You know, I've had luck with Brooklyn Galleries, too, so there's some momentum there. So I'm just kind of going with the flow, like you said. There's always something cooking, in a way, and that, that leads to something else. And, and with getting back into skating a little bit more? You I know, would like to do that. With the parks that are going up, yeah. they, they offer something for everybody. If you just want to flow and have a good time, yeah. it's there. If you want to, you know, jump around, it's there. If you're just learning... It's there. It's all there and accessible in southeastern Michigan, in New York as well. Yeah. It, it is everywhere now, and it's so easy. But I definitely want to make that part of my routine again. Like, even if it's not, you know, weekly, it's like I want to do it like every two weeks I'm going to ride for two hours, you know. So I don't want to lose. I want to keep that. Well, for me, I started, you know, when I started skating, I started about 11 years old. And, and by the time I was 16, no matter what was going on in my life, I could walk out the door and ride my skateboard and forget about it. It was single point consciousness yeah. even then. And skateboarding still does that for me today. Mm -hmm. I can go, no matter if I'm just skating down the street, skating a ramp, whatever I'm doing, there's, it, it's, there's, you can call it whatever you want, meditation, focus, whatever. But it still works. Mm -hmm. and, and that's an intangible that I wish everybody on the planet could have the luxury to find something like that. Yeah. And um, it, it's, it's amazing. So the art show running all month long at Lawrence Street Gallery in Ferndale. So make sure to stop in there and check it out. Uh, the music. What's the easiest way for people? I, I just pull up on YouTube and I have a playlist and it just plays all, the, all my tunes through yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, I have like, you know, a YouTube thing, a band camp thing, a band camp, uh, see more music, you know, YouTube and then um, Spotify, you know. Yeah, I have a couple CDs on my iPod, but I don't always have my iPod with me because when I saw you at Wayne State, uh, I, I either bought or you gave you me yeah. a couple of them, yeah. and um, and they've always been on my three different iPods that I've oh, destroyed because cool. it's something I enjoy. I like I like hearing my friends, their interpretations of the world, of music, of everything, and and I had to grow up into your music a little bit, and mm -hmm. that's just being honest. It yeah, was cool. it was maturing into it, and and now it does uh, uh, a 
wonders when I'm driving down the street or doing whatever, lyrically, good stuff. Uh, the texture, I'm glad you said that because I'm like, what can I use to explain this? And I said, you know, I thought texture's a good word because there's often a lot of things going on and every single song doesn't sound the same. There's a lot of different things happening. Yeah, I was hoping that was there. <laughs> well, it works. Yeah. It works because we didn't have this discussion beforehand. Right. This, is, this is right yeah. off the cuff. So we're sitting here with Chris Moore on social media. What's the way people can uh, pay attention to what you're doing? I think the best is Instagram. I'm not. I'm not on Facebook. I used to be on Facebook. I just found that to be. It's just so confusing and. Um, and your, Insta your Instagram? Instagram is Chris Moore Music, and that usually has music posts. Like I'll be playing like a little riff, an artwork piece. Um, you know, I typically, it's just to help my work. You know, get seen, and and I like that forum. You know, um, and I think that's it. Really, Instagram. So make sure to check it all out. It all out. Check out the music, the artwork, the skating, the history. It's all. You got a whole night worth of homework now. <laughs> I hope you were taking notes. I always suggest pick up a pen and a notebook at the start of the show because there's we cover a lot here on the drop-in. And to have Chris Moore in studio, that doesn't happen every day. You got any plans coming back to uh, Michigan? Probably the usual holiday thing right um, on so it's but it, it's typically very brief but yeah around christmas we'll come by maybe yeah. we can roll around a little bit i mean that modern. would be cool i would just i was actually hoping to get some time in this weekend actually so you might it, depending on your schedule we could try to grab some people and maybe saturday ride. afternoon or early sunday i don't know when yeah. you're heading back east uh, late sunday yeah we well, can, so i'll text you we'll figure yeah. it out but I just want to thank you once again. Well, thank you. Man, uh, so awesome. And you're welcome back anytime. You okay. got anything going on, let me know. You can come back. Okay, thanks, Carol. I All appreciate right, brother. It. Love you. Take care. Man, you don't get that anywhere else but on the drop-in. We covered negative approach. We covered Powell Peralta skateboards. We covered all things Chris Moore. And we only had 58 minutes. We'll get him in here again. But I want to thank you guys so much for being with me on this journey here on the drop-in and just keep sharing it man keep sharing it. it's pretty easy to inspire others so do your job and let's inspire the world i am gerald valley and this is the drop-in